Cop Prairie and friends all over. It's good to have you with us as I conclude the three-week series that Pastor Chris and I have done called Unmute, Hearing God's Voice. The thing about this series is that none of us want to admit that we've muted God. We all want to be like, yeah, I totally pay attention to God. I don't have totally all the time I should for prayer, but I listen. I pray while I'm driving. I pray when I'm golfing. hear that a lot. <laughs> um, and I try to listen, but I'm just not sure what he's saying. It's kind of fuzzy. Well, if we're honest with ourselves, it's fuzzy not because God wants it to be, but because we don't pay much close attention. And I'm hoping that these last two weeks and then today's message will help you get some more tools for listening to God's voice, how it applies to decisions you have to make in your life, and give you the ability and confidence to make those decisions more simply, easily, joyfully, and boldly. So this is school time, right? School is starting up. However, however crazy it is, depending on which school district and which state you're living in, school is attempting to start up hybrid, virtual, in-person. There's all sorts of ways in which we're having to make decisions and choices. I'm thinking back to last semester when my mother lived with us and my son Eli, our son Eli, sorry Laura, <laughs> our son Eli was signing up for classes. And one of the classes he decided to take was World History, Ancient Greece to Medieval Europe. And Laura read the bibliography, is that what's called the syllabus, of things that were going to be required. And things like Thucydides, Herodotus's History, and Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. And there were other things too. But when she said those, I, I turned and I said, Eli, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I can do this. And my mother said from somewhere in the family room, she says, you know, those are hard, those are hard books. It'd be fun if somebody would read it with them. And Laura and I looked at each other like, uh, that's not the word we would use. And heck, we were both English majors. So my mom said, you know what? I'll read them with them. And we're like, what? She goes, I'll get them on my Nook. If you've heard of a Nook, right? It's the same thing as an Amazon, just a different format from Barnes and Noble. Anyway, love you, mom. I learned Nook from you. Anyway, so seriously, Eli is reading um, from the greater works of Thucydides and my mother is reading it alongside from Herodotus's history and she's reading it too from the Canterbury Tales and they're discussing the Canterbury Tales in ways that we can't and couldn't because we didn't want to read them. And I think about how it was so much easier for Eli to choose that, knowing that at least in theory and at least in spirit, he had somebody that was willing to be in it with him, who was willing to unmute the mysteries of these ancient works and uh, make, sense for, make sense of them today. Um, Laura and I chose to keep the mute button on as they discussed those things. As we said to them, we have real jobs. But um, 
ah, I just love how my mom and my son plotted through these classic works together. And uh, I think Eli gives her a little bit of credit. He's, um, he's pretty generous with uh, giving everybody but his mom and dad credit for things. So I think, Mom, he appreciated you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so how we discern God's voice, how we press unmute so that we can hear him clearly is exactly the kind of things that we want to dig into today. If you remember the first message that I brought two weeks ago, the question was, there's, there's three questions that we're going to ask about any situation, any idea that we have that might come from God, any potential whisper. And the first one was, is it gospel? Does it, does it show God's grace and love to his people? In other words, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Or if Jesus wouldn't have done it or couldn't have done it because it involved like, you know, which car to buy or do I send my kids to online learning? Uh, the question would be maybe WWJSIDT. What would Jesus say if I did that? And then the other part of it was, is it new covenant? Is it part of the, the promise that God made to Abraham in the Hebrew scriptures that came true in Jesus in the, in the Christian scriptures? Is it a sign of God's decision, intentional decision to lead with grace and not punish with law? So that was the first week's questions. And by the way, for those of you who decided you wanted to sign up for the 10-week SOAP study to, to learn more about God's new covenant promise by reading Jesus's parables and stories, thank you. We still have some room left if you want to email me the 10-week, 45-minute SOAP study. Um, it's going to start soon, so send your, send your emails in if you want to get involved. The second question that Pastor Chris did last week was simply, is it wise? Is it practically wise? Or is it wise in God's eyes? What's the difference? And how much does it matter? That second part, is it wise in God's eyes? And this week, the question is, is it me? Is it me? Is it me who should do it? And if, I just mentioned an English major, if it bothers you that I said, is it me who should do it instead of, is it I? Then press the heart and we'll know exactly how many grammar Nazis are out there. So, hmm, I think I'll stick with, is it me? So, is it gospel? Is it wise? And is it me? Today, as we start this, is it me? I want to ask you this. If you have an idea that you believe has passed the first two tests, it's gospel good, and it seems wise, practically and in God's sense, are you going to automatically say, it's gospel and it's wise, so I'm going to do it? And, and Chris and I would say, wait, 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 what? Does it, does it match who you are? Does it match who you are? Does it match your life's coordinates, in other words? Does it match where God has put you, how God has wired you, and what God has planned for you? And I, I use the word GPS. There is a, a fascinating self-discovery tool that we use here at Caught Prairie called GPS. It stands for Gifts, Passions, and Story. It's part of the Disciples Made suite of, of discipling tools that we use uh, invented or put together by a friend of mine named Brian Phipps, a friend of ours. Um, if you want to know more, it's free through Coprary. You can take it. There's a link here and in the show notes, um, service notes. <laughs> You're welcome to do that. It will help you find out more about you so that you can tell more clearly where you should be going. And I love the term GPS, and that's part of the, part of the charm of it, right? If uh, Raise your hand. No, you can't raise your hand. Uh, press the heart button if you if you run or bicycle anywhere. I guess I guess bike riding a motorcycle would count too. But if you travel distance on foot or wheels, 
to get exercise or have fun, press the heart button. Um, I do. I like to run. Been slacking a little bit here during the coronavirus thing. Um, I think I should put some weight on in case I actually get it. Then I have a little bit more to lose. But I am kind of missing the road. When, when I run, I love to have my GPS app. I use Map My Run, and then it you know ties into my phone and it counts my calories. But even better, I have this voice that tells me every quarter mile how far I've gone, what my pace is, and all sorts of good information like that. And that is so inspiring, so interesting. And it reminds me um, that I haven't gone far enough. <laughs> so it's also so discipline helping. But that GPS coordinate, coordinate, that GPS reader in my phone allows me to plot my path forward and take pride in where I've come and to get better at what I'm trying to do. And that's what this GPS, does it match who you are? That's what this does. Well, I don't want to spend too long on this without getting into scripture. Last week, uh, Pastor Chris talked about how Paul and Silas evangelized together on Paul's second missionary journey. Today, I'm going to take a look at how those two ended together. Well, not how they got together, but why. Why did Paul and his first partner, Barnabas, why did they break up? And why were they both able to make a decision to go separate ways simply by listening to God's voice? God's voice together while they were partners actively and God's voice separately as they made a decision to go their own ways. In other words, how did God, how did God speak to them and is it clear that they unmuted him so they could hear it? So Paul and Barnabas show us people who unmuted God so they would have clarity and wisdom and responded in different ways based on who they were to the same situation. Well, Barnabas' personality, combined with his personal character, is exactly what helped Paul get his start in his ministry. After Ananias uh, helped the shingles, the scales, not shingles, the scales fall from Paul's eyes, it was Barnabas who personally introduced him to God's people in Jerusalem. So, let me... Uh, let me catch you up there here in Acts chapter 9. Here we go. When Saul arrived, this is verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And if you've been following this story in Acts, and if, you know, if you've read it a few times in your own devotions, you know that there were many times when people were so afraid of Saul, whom we call Paul, whose name got changed to Paul somewhere along the line, um, they were so afraid of him that they didn't want to get close to him, they didn't want to invite him into their homes, they didn't want to trust him with responsibility, and it was... It was Barnabas's discernment that said, I'm going to take the risk to vouch for Saul, Paul, to my church. There were probably other people who thought, we know who Paul is. We've heard about him. Should we vouch for him? And the other people said no. But Barnabas said, is it me? Is it gospel? Is it wise? And is it me? Now, other people might have heard the, heard the gospel and the wise but they might not have been so confident or might not have had the personality that they would 
stand up and say, we should let him in the door. Barnabas had the spiritual gift of encouragement. In fact, that's what his name means, a son of encouragement, which may not have been a given name. It may have been a nickname that he got because he was such an awesome encourager. So a key question to ask is, when we're trying to decide, are we hearing God's instruction, not just for the long course of our life, but for the short problem in front of us, is, am I hearing, am I hearing God's plan right versus Am I hearing God's plan for me? Or maybe said like this, am I overhearing God? Or am I hearing God over me? And if God's speaking over me, then he's speaking to me and he wants me to listen. See, when God raises a topic in the world, any sort of topic in the world, in a country, in a church, he wants his people to talk about it. But when God whispers something to you, he wants to work through you. When God whispers to you, he wants to work through you. And the beauty of this GPS test and this GPS concept is it not only locates us in physical place, well, the technological, the real GPS on my phone tells me where I am, but the spiritual GPS says, where does God want me in his story? Are my gifts the ones that God wants to use right now? But the P and the S, the passion in the story, is more about my personality and the road that I've taken to get here. You know, you can change your story's future chapters. You can't change the past, but you can change how you look at the past. And you can't change your passion easily, but God can. God can change your passion, he can change your story, and he could change your gifts, but he gave them to you for a reason, so it's unlikely. What you got is what you got, and now be confident and proud enough to use him. Anyway, so again, Here's the GPS link. I encourage you to go and find out where Heaven's GPS could be locating you in God's big story, as well as clarify who and where you are, how God wired you, who he called you to be, and how he wants you to participate in his story. Well, this beautiful start here in Acts chapter 9, when Saul comes to Jerusalem and everybody's afraid of him, including probably Barnabas, but Barnabas testifies that we ought to let him in the door, that's all a question of risk, right? Is the risk level about this decision something that I can tolerate? I mean, a wise and a meaningful life, heck, let's use the last two weeks' words, a gospel-filled, a grace-filled life that wants good for everyone, and a wise life that listens for both practical and God-given wisdom, it's, it's not always clear. The gospel is always in a battle with the guarantees. I, I, I wanna be, I wanna be certain this is the right way to go, but but the good news of, of Jesus calls me to trust so much that it, I could be wrong, that it could end up with some degree of pain or cost. Now, safety, wanting safety for ourselves and our family, that's a subset of wisdom. It's why we don't go to dance parties, right? Students, adults, it's why we put masks on, right? We're trying to be wise. But if physical safety, medical safety, or financial security, or ultimate fitness, if anything other than God's will for your life is your top priority, you might, you might score higher in the short run. You might live longer. You might party hardier. <laughs> you might retire earlier. You might build a better bunker. <laughs> but will your life have a mission? Will you change lives with Jesus' love? with your life, including your own, 
<laughs> I think back when the, the coronavirus uh, breakout first happened, and now we know how important masks are and social distancing, and, and that's what we're practicing now when we anybody from church gets together, meetings otherwise, when staff gets together, and when we return to outdoor worship here in a couple weeks. We are going to be wise, but most of us are a little less afraid of our groceries now than they used to be, right? Remember when we were afraid of our groceries? We realized that, that we didn't need to be that scared about tactile virus, virus contagion as much as the airborne stuff. We have to assess risks all the time. And living with risk is without risk is unrealistic because the real question is, when we encounter a risk, what are we risking ourselves for? Well, let's keep reading. 11 chapter 22 is where I want to start in Acts. Here we go. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing there, he was filled with joy and he encouraged those new believers to stay true to the Lord. Now Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. I love this, and the reason I wanted us to pull this out is because the church at Jerusalem knew Barnabas' character, and that's why they sent him to be an encourager and a, and a new leader and a, in some ways maybe an overseer of what God was doing at this new church in Antioch. So they gave him responsibility because they knew his character. And what happened? Good things happened. He saw evidence of the blessing and he encouraged them and he urged them to stay true to the Lord. And because of that, many people trusted Jesus with their lives. They trusted Jesus. Let's keep reading. Verse 25. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them, Barnabas and Saul, stayed there with the, large, with the crowds for a full year, teaching large, large crowds of people. Parentheses, it was Antioch that the Christians, that the believers were first called Christians. Now, I wanted to pull that out too, because as the, as the ministry burdens got heavier and heavier, as the numbers grew, the complexity of people, the pastoral care needs grew, Barnabas made a decision to find Saul slash Paul once again. But it wasn't a decision he made alone. And how do we know this? Because verse 24 says, he was full of the Holy Spirit, which is, which is who God sends to us when we decide to trust him. When we decide we want to grow in our discipleship to be more like him, he sends us the Holy Spirit to unmute God in our big decisions. When the Holy Spirit is in you, you can hear the voice of God for you. And when, when leaders, teachers, uh, parents, supporters, elders, when people make decisions listening to the Holy Spirit, they teach their families, their students, their co-workers, their friends to do the same thing. In other words, if you unmute God for the important decisions in your life, sometimes for the really rapidly unfolding decisions, if you, if you do your best to ask, is it gospel, is it wise, and is it for me, the people around you are going to learn that that works well and they're going to do the same thing. And you're going to bless them. You're going to trust Jesus, grow as a disciple, and bless them with his love and the wisdom that comes when you follow him closely. Anyway, so what we're hearing here is Barnabas and Paul, they grew the church together. And then in this next episode I'm going to tell you about, the church then looked at the two of them. They saw their character and their calling as, as they 
lived with and supported and taught and led the church. And then they gave them a high degree of responsibility. Let's look at 11, chapter 27. Chapter 11, verse 27. And it continues this way. So during this time that Paul, and Saul still, and Barnabas were up there in Antioch, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to there. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch sent, decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So there was a famine coming, which we also know about from the other letters of, of St. Paul, not just from this story in the book of, Luke, book of Acts written by Luke, right? And the church people said to themselves, we should collect money, and they did. And then they said, we should send the money, and they did. But each of them may have said, well, should I go and take the money, or should Jerry go and take the money? Should, should Sheila go and take the money? They may have asked us about all this, but they discerned that it wasn't for any of them to do except for Barnabas and Paul. In other words, these two newcomers to their city, these, these two out-of-towners, who, who began to be leaders among them, they're the ones that they heard the Holy Spirit pointing to. And it's another one, it's another time when God's, God's topic is in the air, but that doesn't necessarily mean the topic is spoken to you. Am I overhearing God in the swirl of conversation, or am I hearing God over me? Is God talking to me? And if any pair of church members had said, ah, we'll take the money, the rest of the leaders might have said, thanks for offering, but we've seen the character and calling of Paul and Barnabas, and we're going to entrust it to them. Maybe you've heard the ancient uh, quote attributed to uh, Lao Tzu, the, the Chinese philosopher, what, about the 200s AD, 3rd century, maybe a little bit earlier, in his way, the, the Tao Te Ching, the way and its power. There's different translations. It's ancient Chinese. But I'm sure you've heard this, many of you. Watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. And watch your character, for that becomes your destiny. It's a great quote. It was written after this next quote from St. Paul, which uh, he wrote about 150 years earlier. It's in Romans chapter 5 exactly in my Bible with all sorts of thumb tabs in it. Here we go. Um, oh, wrong highlight. Oh, fat fingers, don't fail me now. The tension at home. There we go. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. So think about, both of these are great, are great inspirational quotes. One obviously not Christian, one very Christian. And in some ways, the, the one from the Tao Te Ching is, is more is more recognized and more 
read because it's simple and parallel. But if you read between the lines, what you don't see is a testimony to God, obviously. It teaches you wise living by your own power. If you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, then this will happen. But Paul talks about a humbler way to grow our character, one that depends not on how disciplined we are with our, wor our thoughts and our words and our actions and our habits, one that depends on those things, but is ultimately dependent on the grace of God, a grace of God who can build our character even after our mistakes, who can redeem our life even after our failures. The difference between the Tao and the gospel is the gospel says, I need God and the good news of salvation and redemption that he brings. In both cases, though, the, the, the Lao Tzu passage is still amazing. In both cases, it points to how important it is that we have a commitment to growing our character. I want to I keep going here. If you look at Acts chapter 14, because here we're getting a little bit of a preview of how Paul and Barnabas are going to end their time together. Here's how it, here it goes, Acts 14, verse 19. So, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back to town. And the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Just, just a quick test here. So, Paul and Barnabas are preaching together, but Scripture says they only dragged out Paul to murder him. Luckily, he wasn't murdered for Paul's sake and the kingdom's sake, but it doesn't say anything about Barnabas, which tells you what? It, it suggests to me that both Paul and Barnabas were apostles, teachers, and evangelists, but whereas Barnabas was a more gentle, encouraging, I dare say friendly kind of pastor, Paul was a sharp-elbowed fight picker. Paul got people mad. At least early on in his career, he, uh, he, he gave good witness and I think he mellowed, got a little more chill toward the end of his life. But they had different gifts, different personalities, and that impacted how they're going to make future decisions. But before we get there, keep looking. 14 verse uh, 21. Here we go. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul Barnabas... And Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they encouraged their believe, the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Just pointing that out, see? Then they traveled back to Pisidia and Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga and then went down to Adaliah. Finally, they returned to Antioch of Syria where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. Sorry, a lot of reading there. What I wanted you to hear was that Paul and Barnabas were in equal measures leaders, preachers, church planters, and men of God. They, they prayed and they fasted. They raised leaders together, these elders of, of the new churches. But they had different personality types. One was gentle and calm and chiller. And one was quicker to fight and more precise, 
more interested in doctrinal purity and less in church unity. So the two, birth, the two different personality partners had a successful first missionary journey together. And then after that long time was completed, then they began, to, after the Jerusalem Synod of Acts 15, which we, which we won't talk about, um, something happened. Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, and some men from Judea, oh, I, there you go, it's actually in the beginning of, of 15. When Paul, while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, hashtag old covenant, um, hashtag not my covenant, unless you were circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. So yes, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with each other vehemently. They had differing personalities and differing ways to solve problems. But note that despite those differing personalities, they both stood up and fought against people who were trying to take away the grace that's inherent in the foundation of the gospel. When the gospel was being challenged, they challenged back the good news of Jesus, that he forgives sins, he loves broken people, he lifts the hammer of shame from above us. The, the hammer of shame that makes each of us a nail. They stood up to that so that the good news was never muted in their minds or in their conversation with people far from God. Even when it meant they went against the law and order, tradition, bound, cultural, Judaism of their society. Let's close with the final and probably most famous paragraph about Paul and Barnabas and all of Scripture. This comes from chapter 15, and it's about uh, yeah, verse 36 through 41. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each of the cities where we preach the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed, and he wanted to take John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them back in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia <laughs> strengthening the churches there. Does that remind you of that song? Cecilia. All right, probably should cut that out, Chris. All right. Point. <laughs> Neither of them muted their emotions, but they didn't mute God either. Notice that Luke doesn't choose sides here between one personality type, one GPS, and the other. Although he does note that when Paul and Silas left, there was an additional prayer that the Antioch church gave them. So maybe that's meant to say they think Paul was the, the writer of the two. Or it could just be that Barnabas left too quickly for a church send-off. Remember, he's more likely to have a flight mechanism than a fight one. Because as an encourager, you can recognize this if you're this kind of, this kind of person, this kind of leader. You don't want to jeopardize the good name of the gospel by having a public fight. And so maybe he did sneak away. Maybe he snuck away under tr uh, cover of darkness, maybe just quick enough so as not to trigger Paul to a public confrontation that would discourage the church. But, they both left proudly, 
personally confident and wishing the other no harm. You see, what's interesting about this is in this main leader-to-leader -leader disagreement, there was no sign that, the, that either plan of theirs, Barnabas's or Paul, wasn't gospel-centered. There's no signs that it wasn't wise. But the path that one took wasn't the right path for the other. It, it was the perfect example of the is it me question. Both were gospel, both were wise, but only one was me. Only one was the right one for each of them. One of them, Barnabas, was willing to risk a little bit more, uh, a little bit slower progress, maybe have little, little less immediate success in order to give his cousin, but still an aspiring leader and follower of Jesus, a second chance. The other, Paul, was less patient with other people's mistakes or their vacillations, their I'm not sure, I don't know. And so he put rigorous efficiency ahead of second chance generosity. He, choose new, he chose new leader development over second chance stumbled leader redevelopment. And neither are wrong. Both were the right answer for them, is it me? And you've heard me talk throughout the message here about things like character and calling. And those two things don't exist in a, in a vacuum. Character is the who I am. Calling is the what I do. Character is the how I acquit myself while I do the what I do. And calling is the who I give credit to when the what I do turns out well. As my friend Brian Phipps taught me, character times calling is a mathematical equation. Character times calling equals impact. You could have calling that's an eight or a nine. You've got the gifts, the passions, the story that makes sense, the talent to do it. But if you've only got a two in the character department, your sum total impact on a zero, zero to 100 scale is, what's two times nine? 18. <laughs> but if you, have, if you have an eight or nine character and you only have half as much calling, talent, and, and clarity, say you've got an eight character and a, I was going to say four and a half, but then I would have to multiply a fraction. So we'll say if you have an eight character and a uh, an eight character and a five calling, you're still at forty, which is twice as good, right? As the eighteen, give or take. Character times calling equals impact. And asking, is it me? Is it me that should do this thing? Am I just overhearing God, or am I hearing God over me? That's a calling question. But asking, will it make a difference if I do it? That's a character question. I mean, is it me? Is God going to use my gifts, passions, and my story at this particular time and place to make my story make a difference in God's story? And if he is, then yes, it's gospel, it's wise, and it's me. And the, the will it make a difference? Now that I've unmuted God and can be confident I'm, that I can be confident about the choice that he's pointing to, I can do this. But am I doing it for a personal advantage only? so that I'll get some advantage or my family will for a short amount of time? Or am I doing this for the long arc of God's story, generational, community, kingdom advantage for a long, long time? All that depends on whether I unmute God in regards to my character or leave him silent so I can decide all by myself. You see, regarding Barnabas and Paul, they both made mistakes. All leaders do, all Christians do. But mostly they left God unmuted so they could hear what he was calling them to do. And they worked on living up to the sainthood and practice that Christ's forgiveness had made possible in principle. And as a result, their character and their calling, calling always seemed 
to fit God's mission at the moment. And they fulfilled the destiny that their creator, redeemer, and sustainer, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, had planned for them long ago. I mentioned Eli signing up for classes and picking one that seemed crazy to us or, or crazy hard. If you have children, grandchildren, if you are a teacher involved in any way, if you are a person who's paying attention, this is a crazy and difficult time when people have to make tough decisions and they want to hear the voice of God. Friends, if that's you, you make the decision that you feel that God is leading to you. But I plead that you would make that decision, looking at what is the gospel, what is wise, and what is you. I hope and pray that as you do this, you will see God's magnificent intention for your life and the life of your family revealed in all its glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.